This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. My mom found out after she gave birth to me. Oh my God. Which is four years after their marriage. Yeah. She said on the day of my birth, it's my birthday, Mm -hmm. right? It was my dad's birthday too. I I was born on my dad's birthday. Oh shit. And he goes... It's also my brother's birthday. You know? She's like, huh? She didn't know. And then he's like, I have this twin brother. He's in Korea. I've never met him. Korean people do not know time and place very well at all. (laughs) You know how I... Time and place. (laughs) Let me me tell you something about... In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. I got one of my closest friends here at Bart. Cheers once again. Cheers. (sighs) It's almost going to be a new year. And it's dope doing podcasts with friends because there's so much history between us. We get to talk about stuff that, number one, like I was just saying this before, that <laughs> I know a lot of these stories seems far-fetched, but he's been around for a good chunk of <laughs> Yeah. Like, I've seen some of these stories, and when he tells the stories, they're they're true. <laughs> like, even when he's telling stories about me, like, the time after the motel pool shoot, and I couldn't eat one bite. Oh, li- yeah. I was listening to that. Yeah, that happened. That was funny. <laughs> so, you know, so here's, here's a funny backstory to that. So, this was... So... Ed's a Ed does video, right? And our buddy uh, Dan does it too. And we talked about this before how we met. We're not going to go into that. So at this time, we were just, I just didn't have much shit to do. So there was this, a music video for this dude named uh, Travis Garland, right? Uh, he at the time he was a signed artist to my buddies, um, the Stereotypes, right? Right? They were going to shoot this music video out in Lancaster. <laughs> and so lo and behold, the star, the female star to this is none other than at the time, not very well known, Julia Kelly. Right. So if you guys know who Julia Kelly is. She's like the originator of the fat ass pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so every, every girl that has like a fat ass pig, you know, give respect to Julia Kelly because she was the one that put her asshole out there for you guys to follow the Thank butthole. You. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The, the butthole uh, uh, blueprint is what I call it. <laughs> so... Uh, we had a very, very, uh, another great guy who was, he was going to be the DP, uh, director of photography was Brian, right? Mm, yeah. So Brian was hired on to be the director of photography for this. Um, really dope music video. It turned out really great, yeah, actually. It's, it's really awesome. It was Without really him lip syncing one word to the song. There's mm-hmm. no lip syncing to it at all. <laughs> and there's so many, anno- okay, let's just start with this, right? So. Julia Kelly was actually brought on to the set. She didn't know who I was. She was a nobody at this time, right? And at this point, like, I'm pretty well known. But mm. I don't really have much of an ego to myself. So I, I just knew that Don, he was shooting photos, and I wanted to shoot photos too. So I was yeah. like, hey, let me just help out on set. I'll shoot photos. I still have those photos to the days. And those photos, by the way, are fucking fire. Yeah. They were dope as fuck. I still have them. Um, <laughs> And this is when I was really into photos. Like, I enjoyed doing it a lot. So I was like, yeah, I'll just do it for free. I wasn't even thinking about doing it free. It was just fun. So Julia Kelly at the time, not knowing who I am or just people who who anybody was on set, she kind of had this thing of, like, wanting to tell people what to do and boss them around, which I fucking hated, right? (laughs) 
And she literally had like, she was like that girl on set that would tell everybody to follow her on Instagram. She goes, mm. oh, do you have Instagram? Can you follow me? Can you follow me? <laughs> and she was trying to get to like 10,000 followers. So she goes, I only need two more to get to 10,000. Can somebody follow me? Which I already found to be a deplorable, just annoying <laughs> habit. Or Maybe just, this was like the early days of Instagram too, right? Very a few, early. A few years in. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. anything about Instagram. I just knew that I had a following on YouTube and this is what I was yeah. doing. And so we weren't used to this. You, you're you telling me to? What? Yeah, you're telling me to follow you? What's, okay. what's wrong with you? You know? Um, so before I even get into that, so she she comes in, she gets hired for this project to, to, to you know, do this whole thing with Travis. So there's this pool scene that's very important because the song is called Motel Pool. Yeah. So she knew about this ahead of time. She knew what was going on, right? And she gets there and she looks at the pool. She goes, it's too cold. I'm not going in. We've been there for fucking like, what, 18 hours? So, yeah. Shooting. A so, such a long time. And it got to this point where she's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, excuse me? This whole thing was for you. Like we did, the money is already spent. We're yeah. here. Right? So she gets into the pool. We're ready to shoot. Her scene, by the way, will take at max 10 seconds. That's all we ask for. Yeah. 10 seconds, can you do this? And she said, yeah, she agreed. And she goes, water's too cold. I looked at her. I remember I walked up to her because I was pissed at this point. I was like, you're an actress? Act like one. Yeah. I was irritated for you. I was irritated oh for Dan gosh. because she was causing such a scene over something that she agreed to. And it was based on her. And this shoot at this point was probably like at five in the morning. Yes. Right? Because we also needed to shoot a sunrise. Mm -hmm. So we scheduled it to start to shoot at like 11 p.m. Exactly. <laughs> at this point, like this is the money shot. The yeah. title of the song. Motel pool. <laughs> well, to make it up to you, we had to do makeup shots. <laughs> and we had to go to another pool to shoot. And it was also freezing cold. So oh and we still, that's how we finished all those pickup shots. That's crazy. Yeah. It wasn't all there at there. And yeah. we had to figure to it again. And she did it. Credit to her. At least she did yeah, it Yeah, she did twice. a great job. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the funny thing was like, and I'm pretty sure she's a really sweet person. Now I follow her or whatever, whatnot. I'm not yeah. saying she's a bad person, right? And uh, there was another... A uh, Viner at the time, not a Viner at the time, a uh, Leanne V. Yes. They were best friends. I'm not sure if they're still best friends now, but they, I don't know. I don't know their personal relationship, but she was telling me like, no, she's a really sweet girl. Like she's just, you know, she's young. She just doesn't know what she's doing. And I'm right. like, all right, cool. So we gave her a pass. But once again, not knowing I'm, she kind of like treated people who were helped very poorly, which I disliked. So I remember this because when we were wrapped up and we we're going to do the desert scene when, where Travis is following her through the scene, right. she goes, hey, can you get my bags for me? <laughs> she, she looked at me. She goes, those are my bags. Can you get them for me? And I looked at her and I was like, "What I, I remember exactly what I said. I was like, that's funny. Your arm's broken or something? <laughs> she was like, oh, what? I was like, I'm not the help. Right? And I walked away. And so... This is a funny, this is the funniest part about it. I don't give a fuck. I'll yeah. tell the story. So, you know, Travis, he's, he has like a, he's like flirting with her. She's very hot. You know, she's a very beautiful woman, right? He's flirting with her, whatever, whatnot. They're doing their thing. They have a makeout scene and whatever. Yeah. And she, there's a part where we have to pack up and leave. And there's only a couple of cars that have seats. My car and Travis's car, right? <laughs> so we're all about to leave. And then Tra you see Travis off in the distance, thirsty as fuck. Julio! Yeah. <laughs> You remember this, right? <laughs> Julio! Yeah, yeah, Julio! Come around with me! You got it? You got it? You know, and then she looks at me, she goes, can I get in your car? I go, nope. 
of the and that's o- true, guys. <laughs> yeah. You guys keep accusing him of these fake. I was there. This yeah. is true. Yeah, these are true stories. Yeah. And I go, nope. And I just get in my car and I just drive the fuck off. I was like, the only option you have is Travis. Good fucking luck, dude. Yeah. And that's where it goes off where we all took Adderall because we didn't sleep. <laughs> so, so check this out. So back in the day, me, Ed, and Dan used to pull all-nighters 24-7. All the time. We just couldn't sleep. We're insomniacs. You know, we're young. I mean, Hustle we're, culture, quote yeah. yeah. Well, we're still young now, you know, So, but, but yeah. we, we just, just didn't give a fuck. We used to play Smash Brothers. We used to drink. We used to just party. This is what we did. But this was a pretty taxing shoot, right? Very limited budget, next to nothing. Yeah. And it was a fun project that we all got to do. Problem with that is when you have a low budget, means you have to get a lot of shots within about two to three days. <laughs> and so within those two days, we didn't sleep at all. 48 hours, no fucking sleep in the middle of a desert. This there are so many weird splotches that I don't remember, but Dan told me, I don't even remember this part. I took like six Red Bulls to the point where he said like, dude, you were just doing stand-up at a certain point. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. You don't remember? I don't remember that. I was fucking dying. That's that's what I remember. The silver lining about that shoot was <laughs> this like little moment where Don went to go get food and we're just sitting around waiting. And you were just improv and going off and you put on this show in the motel room. <laughs> And we were cr- cracking up, dying. We were just like, yo, why aren't you doing stand-up more often, dude? You were like, <laughs> you're killing it in that room of like, what, uh, eight people? Yeah. <laughs> you know? See, I don't remember doing that part. I was just so <laughs> delirious. But, you know, I did stand-up since I was 16. So it's, that skill is always going to be there. Yeah. You know, but Dan was like, you were making people die laughing. You were. You were. I, I was like, I wish you shit. recorded that because I don't remember any of those jokes. No, <laughs> no. You know what I remember? I pulled out my phone and you stopped. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I was like, yo, you're you're killing it, man. Yeah. Like, that, you know, at, at that time, too, was when I kind of stopped doing stand-up as much. But, you know, I still have that that want to still do it every now yeah. and then. You know, and I always write stand-up sets till this day. Yeah. So that ability, once you do it when you're 16, like, and you do it religiously, that yeah. that ability is still, it's not going to be as good as before, but it's still always going to be there. Right. Yeah, like, video is my shit. I started when I was, like, 15, 16. And it's always there. It's, it's Yeah, when I quit and I was just doing CrossFit, <laughs> you know, I... I'll make little skits here and there by myself, yeah. you know, and, and, and part of it being like part of who you are, I couldn't run away from it either as yeah. much as I was like, okay, I'm not a video guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I am doing this now. Yeah. Amen. Like everybody needs advertisement. Everybody needs propaganda. Everybody needs yeah, content. It's so. And every, anytime Ed and I did a project together, it was always because it was fun. You know, yeah. it wasn't really work, <laughs> you know, yeah. we always did dumb, stupid shit. I just remember just on set is one of the most fun times you get to have because you're fucking around yeah and i think that was one of those things about even doing back uh before i was working with you i was doing uh justin's old oh YouTube. yeah just all those funny sketches and it was just about how dumb can we be every week how absolutely stupid can we make this and you know what? People kept loving it. Yeah. And it was fun that way because it was a freedom. Yeah. Right? You, got, you were creating for yourself first anyway. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter if people, I mean, it, of, of course it hurt if people didn't like it, but it, at least the, the motive was right there. So you were happy with the result and the work that you did. Yeah. You know? And so when we were doing, doing this um, Lancaster music, we were all delirious. And obviously, so Ed at this time, me and Ed are both fat as fuck, right? <laughs> so this is like the funniest shit. So... There's in Lancaster, there's this random southern restaurant, right? Um, that, that does uh, Louisiana food, right? So, like etouffee, gumbo, you know, uh, fried catfish, whatever. By the way, probably some of the best, like, uh, New Orleans. 
like Southern that I've ever had. Right. And it's out in Lancaster, right? right. And, I, and I've been to like, you know. We Nor- went to New Orleans. Yeah. You and I. Together. Yeah, you and I. We did. We did together. We just ate a bunch of fucking food. But yeah. he ate seafood, so he suffered. Oh, that's, right? That's another So story. there was this one moment. And you know what? When you look back at it, the moment is funny, but it wasn't as funny as it was supposed to be because we were hopped up on Adderall, haven't yeah. slept in 48 hours. So there's this moment where we're all fucking eating. And... He did the oddest thing. This fool finishes all of his food, right? And there was this one chicken bone with like a little flesh left. He goes, <laughs> and fucking Ed looks at us and he goes, bro, I can't have another bite. And he shoves his bowl to us that's completely empty. <laughs> and then I remember. Wait, wait, okay. And then, and then Dan goes, Ed, what the fuck? There's no food in this bowl. <laughs> no, no, okay. I uh, my my previous nickname from Dan was Technical Ed, uh-huh. okay, because I'd always go technically, yeah, technically or actually. Oh, right? oh I hate that. That's my my dad used to say that shit. Yeah. yeah, and that was me. That was me being Technical Ed. Uh-huh. I was like, look, there is literally one bite on there, <laughs> on that bone, literally, and I cannot eat it anymore. <laughs> So I'm going, this is what I mean. Why are you guys laughing at me? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with you guys? But because this one couldn't understand how fucking funny it was. Yeah. It made us laugh even harder. So I... I was th- getting angry. I was like, yo, what? <laughs> why, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> There's, there, yeah, there is one piece of... I can't eat another bite. What? <laughs> he was getting angry, so it made us laugh even harder. And so, I, you know, till this day, that is the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. <laughs> And it is literally the hardest I've ever hey. laughed because of the delirium. Hey, growing pains, right? <laughs> I remember he was so upset. I was like, Ed, why don't you understand why this is yeah. so fucking funny? Because it doesn't help that he was so fat. You know oh, what I mean? yeah. So it just made it even funnier. I just remember my face, my jaw was sore yeah. the next day. <laughs> but check this out. So this is the first time I ever did Adderall. Uh, Dan was an Adderall abuser because he <laughs> fucking would never stop working and he would edit all night. Now, this is before he built his company. He had other people editing under him. He did yeah. everything himself and it was you, you and Dan. Yeah. So I didn't know exactly what Adderall did, <laughs> right? I didn't know that it made you hyper-focused. Yeah. So one of the things that happened was you guys were ahead of me and I was following you guys, right? I skipped the exit by like six exits. <laughs> you were just looking at the lines? I, I was just zoned in looking at the lines and everybody was sleeping. Uh, and I just yeah. remember driving and I moved. I went like 10 miles past K-Town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept driving. And next thing you know, uh, I forgot who woke up. They're like, how far are we? I was like, Oh shit! I, I was like all We're the in way- Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to stop and turn around. And Adderall. And after that, I was like, I'm never taking Adderall again. Oh, like shit. I don't need. I was too hyper focused. But that, that's why I think I was a little delirious too. Like, um. So I went to a psychiatrist when I turned thirty, right? Because mm-hmm. I was like, I can't focus. I always suspected I had like ADD of some kind, and I got diagnosed with it. Actually, it was pretty severe. Yeah. <laughs> They prescribed me first with like 15 uh, milligrams of like Adderall. And then um, it didn't work for me. Right? Yeah. Still like doing still, shit. Yeah. And so, okay, bumped it to 20. 
and then they changed the brand to Vivance. So it's pretty much the same thing. Hello, my friends. Have you heard of BetterHelp? Listen, it's time for you to take care of your mental health. I am a huge advocate of mental health and people, you go to the doctor to heal your body. So you need better help to heal your mind. Therapy was not something that was talked a lot in my household. So getting the mental health that I need, especially because it wasn't emphasized when I was younger, was something that I didn't know that was necessary in my life. And I have been so much better for it. Listen, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. I want you to live a happier life today, so try BetterHelp and give it a go because you deserve the best version of you every day. Visit BetterHelp.com genius. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Genius Brain listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com genius. That's BetterHelp.com slash genius to get 10% off your first order. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash genius. It's an amphetamine. Yeah. And then they bumped it up to 30. And I was like, I cannot focus on anything. I yeah. told him, it ju- I just feel high, mm-hmm. you know? And it, like, cause I told him, I was like, look, I'd done Molly before when <laughs> like, yeah. this is, it's like a slight version of this. So this crazy fucking doctor said, now that I'm thinking about it now, he said, so v- you open up the capsule and put it in a cup of water and then you let it dissolve so it's not, no longer time released. And it was 50 milligrams of Vyvanse, of, of an amphetamine. And he's like, let it all dissolve and then take the shot and see how it does for you. And bro... <laughs> Between cocaine <laughs> and like, yeah, ecstasy, Vyvanse, it was the same shit. Oh wow! Yeah, it's 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 like it feels the same. I was just high. I was at work, and I'm like, just, how did you feel? It's like I got nothing done. <laughs> yeah, got nothing done too at the yeah. same time. So I reported back to the shrink. I was like, yo, 50, yeah, fifty milligrams doesn't. I still can't focus. And then <laughs> that's when he was like talking about the spectrum for the first time for me. Yeah. And, but he didn't like diagnose me or whatever with that. I just knew that I have a very high level of like ADHD. So between Adderall, cocaine, Molly, and ecstasy, they're kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> like the way I feel. Very it, similar feelings. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely have a form of ADHD and the way I balance it out is uh, hyperactivity. Mm. I have to do- You work out. I work out, bike. I have to do excessive shit. If I don't do that, I'm fucked. Like, right. I'm, I'm fucked. I, I can't st- sit still. I start like shadow boxing in my living room. I start being antsy. That's why I got that sit stand desk. So when I edit, I stand now. Because if I sit, I go, I lose my mind. Just even the, just having the ability to move your legs and wiggle around a little bit helps me. Right. Than just, which, you know, I, I wish I knew about this when I was younger because I would have done way better in school. I say the same thing every time. Yeah. Especially when I'm like with a therapist or shrink. I wish I knew this when I was like in yeah. elementary. Yeah, like if I see my kids struggling to, and I see the same stuff that he has, yeah. he or she has the same uh, issues that I have. I'm like, you gonna get a sit stand desk? We're gonna put you in jujitsu, karate, martial arts, whatever. Do you do you recall a time when you were a kid where you were like, huh? I wish there was like a something for that. Like you recognized that was like kind of an ADHD. No, I just thing. thought I was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just thought I was an idiot, you know? I'm like, why the fuck are these people so much smarter than me? No, you know? no, I believe that about myself too. Yeah. Because my parents treated me that way. Yeah. They don't know. Our parents don't believe in it. No Korean adult believes in ADD or ADHD. Yeah. My mom to this day does not believe yeah, in so it. Yeah, so you know what that is? No, you're just, satan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're just satan. a lazy. Yeah, it's a lazy. It's a satan. Yeah. It's a devil. Yeah, it was just like if something's wrong. Like, that's another thing. I grew up thinking something's wrong with you. Something's wrong. Where could it yeah. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why are you like this? Why are you like this? Now Which, I know too. It's just, you know, there's this, uh, people tend to, or maybe our parents, like an older generation, they have this set formula that they think is going to work for everybody. Yes. And, and then you find out when you're older, that's never the case. Right. For, but for them, I think they just want to believe that so hard. And this, the work that it takes to be, not believe that and to research and figure stuff out is way more difficult than just pressing this one belief onto your kid that something's wrong with you. You can do what these other people do rather than saying, oh, there's something different about this kid. Let's figure out what works best for him. Right. You know, like to say all humans are the same is way too simplified. Yeah. Right. So uh, what I was explaining, the, the whole point of this story was that when I turned 30, I was like 250 pounds. I was fat as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I had a doctor check up all this shit. And I was just Whack. I was I'm gonna die by the time I was forty. Something. Yeah. And um so the antidepressants or ad or anti anxiety medications didn't work, which is why I lost the where I started losing the weight. So I was like, maybe I'm fucked up because I'm fat. Yeah. Right? All right, so let's do that. And and I dealt with the weight loss, which is where I'm here now. And Sadly, Adderall still doesn't work. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it is a definite thing where now it has to be more pragmatic, practical, behavioral things that I have to do to make this work. Like you yeah. said, like uh, being active and um, standing desks and, and constantly finding yourself a rhythm to get through this shit. Yeah. Or else it's chaos. Things are such It's so hard to. That's why I'm, I'm surprised I even have the minimal amount of sex I have now because I'm. A trash bag. That's why when I look at <laughs> when other people when they're unsuccessful, I'm like, you don't even have the shit I have. What's wrong with you? Right. You know, like it's hard. Like it's it's difficult. Like having to deal. Like people, I actually edit all these podcasts myself. You know, <laughs> and let me tell you something. When you have fucking ADHD, it is difficult. Oh well, shout out to you. I thought Ray did it. No, well, I did this shit. Well, David. <laughs> yeah. When you're watching this back, <laughs> and you know, and you know, the hard part is is that. I had the best experience doing the podcast, but I can't listen to it back because I've already experienced it. Right. <laughs> you right. know? So, but as, as I'm doing this, I have to make mental notes because there are certain guests that sometimes they say things that I don't think will make them look that great right. because they think that we're having a regular conversation <laughs> and I have to delete it out because it's not a it's not a clear representation of who they are as a person. Right. It's and like, it's out of context. It's like, don't you hate when Chinese people... <laughs> I was like, hey, they they'd say delete, you know, and it's not anything too crazy, but it's more like I know the the cultural milieu, and I understand how people will perceive this stuff, even though I know what they're saying, but because there's no context, it makes them sound bad. And then that's where I have to delete certain things, right? Because I don't want to have to go through comments and be like, listen, this is why you're fucking dumb. This is what they meant, you know. So I, I have to do that. So I'm, I'm always taking like mental notes, but usually people are pretty good with it, and I, I always give people a heads up. I don't really cut things out too much, so yeah. just be smart about your shit, right? Because I want it to be a natural conversation. But uh, when we were talking about parenting, you know, Ed has a very, it's such a <laughs> weird story. Like, I don't even, I always say this with him. It's like, how do how do we even begin? Because his dad's story is, I want to make it into a film, to be honest with you. Like, I, I really do. Because like, do it's, it. <laughs> it's so unique, right? Like, we in the previous podcast, we talked about 
uh, Ed's him finding out his dad's involvement in KK, which is Korean Killers, which is one of the o- original OG Korean gangs out in Los Angeles. And if you talk about Korean gangs and a lot of these Asian gangs, the reason why a lot of these gangs started up is because people were bullied. Right. You know, people were punked. And it's like, yo, there's there's strength in numbers. And this is how a lot of gangs actually start up. Right. Where, where they got sick of being pushed around, being punked. Mm-hmm. And so they had to develop this aggro type of personality and this aggressive group to make sure that nobody fuck with them again. And this is like the onslaught of like how KK started a lot of these Asian gangs, you know? Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I had to do a lot of things. So like when you first met my dad, he looked like a frail, probably like 80-year-old man, right? So he thought yeah. it was my Harabaji, right? When he, when we went to go pick up his dad at the airport, and I saw his father, and this is actually not too long before he passed away, uh, I thought it was your grandpa. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're picking up your grandpa from the airport. Yeah. You know? I was like, oh, it's good that your grandpa's going to see your grandma, because I met your grandma already before. And <laughs> they were like, that's my dad. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Shocked. Yeah. Well, um. At that time, he was like, he was 52 years old. That's fucking insane, dude. You know? He did not look 52. Younger than my dad. Because he had a very wild life. (laughs) (laughs) A very, very wild life growing up. Um, And there was a time where like, I I get a lot of the stories like before I, I talked about how my mom always gave me the gang talk. Don't join a gang. Don't join a gang. Meanwhile, I'm like, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to join any gang around yeah, what here. Are you I, what about? are you We're talking about? Shit, yeah. Why are you giving me that talk? Mm-hmm. And what I was realizing is like, uh, <laughs> as I got older, I learned more stories about my dad. And about a month before he passed, um, I had some jajangmyeon with him. And then I just asked him, I was like, what's your story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me the full story. What's going on? What's up? Pretty much the best that I can piece together is that uh, my dad was born a twin. Right. I don't know if you noticed this. Have you ever met someone your dad's age that's a twin? Mm-mm. Why is it that our parents' generation and our grandparents, there are no twins? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anybody who's a twin that's in the old generation. It's superstition. They get rid of them. Oh, it's really? old shamanistic kind of thing. You know? Uh, with twins and shit. Like, a, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's something fucked up where they split him or whatever. Yeah. Like and luck. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I don't know the whole story, but it is just you don't have twins. That's why I've never seen somebody my parents say that's a twin. You too, right? Yeah, <laughs> just I, asking I, you. I, don't, I don't know a single one. So um, the thing is, my biological grandfather's older brother, uh, he's yeah. young. His wife, my harmony, uh, is barren. She doesn't have kids. And so he had twins. So he gave you know, pretty much my dad for adoption to his older brother, which oh. is my Harabaji, oh. you know? And he was a military man. He was in Vietnam as a sergeant. Because uh, when, when America went to Vietnam, they, they're like, hey, remember how we helped you in World <laughs> Korean War? Yeah. You, we need your help, right? So they they sent a bunch of Korean soldiers to Vietnam. Yeah. So that's where my Harabaji was. And um, at, basically, this is this is the, the story. My mom said, when he was 13, they sat him down there like, you're adopted. You have a twin brother. We're going to America. <laughs> he never met him. Wow. And they bounced and they came to they came to LA. They came to what was not Koreatown then. You know, this is what, 
1976. By the way, you have a twin. You're never going to see him. And we're going to America. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, man? And now he's in this vicinity of what is to be Koreatown in LA. You know, and he's going to Virgil High School. And this is what I asked about his life coming to America when we were eating jajimyeon. And he was like, um, I was I was actually 16 years old, not 13. They put me in the seventh grade, you know, because he didn't speak English. So he's the biggest, oldest dude in the seventh grade class. What the fuck? And then he was he a said, grown-ass adult. Yeah. And he just said he just f- fucked everyone. He just beat everybody up. <laughs> All these little kids. He just said he just beat everyone up because he was... He didn't give a fuck. He was angry. He was just like, people, they treated him like trash for being Korean and all that shit. And remember how I told you when I acted up at my school, the teachers didn't do anything? Yeah. I think he had the same story. Because mm. he <laughs> stayed there. <laughs> like He's uh, getting bullied. You yeah. know, what's he going to do? So he said he was in high school and he's already the biggest guy in school, you know, because he's way too old to be in high school. Yeah. But then more Korean immigrants started coming, he told me. And they understood him, but they also under, came from a Korean high school. Remember Chingu? Yeah. This captain. So my dad saw himself as captain, the first one at yeah. Virgil, right? <laughs> so this other Korean kid comes in and he said he actually challenged him to fight, even though they're the only two Koreans. <laughs> oh my God. How Korean is that shit? <laughs> That's so funny. He just comes first day yeah. and he goes, Let's do this. He's yeah. like, what are you? I just got here. <laughs> so my dad, he said at um, at the rallies and assemblies, he sat on the top row and he wouldn't allow anyone to sit on the top row with him. And if they came to sit with him, he'd, he'd beat them up. And so he would sit there by himself on the top row during assemblies and prep rallies, right? And this other Korean kid comes in and he said he sat up there with him. And so he beat him up <laughs> oh my no explanation and no explanation and then from then i was like and then they became best friends and then only them two sat on the top row <laughs> that's so fucking funny dude your dad is a volatile human being dude yeah and, and so he started telling me like on on vermont and olympic you know where it's a pollo loco <laughs> and the gas exactly station and, all that that is. and he's he was saying those are different plazas different things different gas station and he said Korean kids in high school, that's where they meet up. That's where they all gather. Yeah. And then they'll do their fight club. They'll smoke cigarettes. They'll fuck around. They'll go look for the triads. They'll go the little Tokyo, you know? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and, and pretty much that was the start. This is like, he said, this is like late seventies kind of thing. Early seventies. Holy shit. Then, yeah. So I didn't know. My dad was up to any of this shit. Yeah. (laughs) My mom would never tell me this. She would just tell you not to join gangs. Yeah. Like from my perspective, my whole life, I just grew up like living my life. And then all of a sudden my dad, like I'm going to Korea for the first time and I'm 15 years old. And uh, I'm at the airport and this is before 9-11. So we're saying by you know at the at the terminal you know and i get on a plane fall asleep get out i'm in a soul in chun and my dad is there 
on the other side. Wow. In Korea. This podcast is brought to you by Raycon, my friends. Are you listening to music or podcasts with wired earbuds? Well, my friends, you might as well just go back in time and stay there since you like to use outdated things. Wireless earbuds are the best and Raycon wireless earbuds are right there among the best, my friends, with seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise isolating fit. You can start listening right out of the box and keep listening for hours. Audio quality is amazing and comparable to what you get from other premium brands, except Raycon start at half the price. And I know people love good deals out there and they love good quality. Well, Raycon has both that. And I've been listening to Raycon earbuds for quite a while when I go on walks, specifically when I'm biking because they're super lightweight and I love the noise isolating fit. So Raycon's being generous for the holidays. So on top of their everyday great prices, they're offering my listeners 15% off right now. Go to buyraycon.com slash brain today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash brain. That's buyraycon.com slash brain. My dad's twin brother. Oh, shit. Came to pick me up. I was just I never met this guy, barely heard about this guy. And he was shocked to see me because me and my dad are like yeah, you look like twins. Twins to yeah, like, like composite. Like literally a carbon copy of your dad. Yeah. So like but who the fuck does Ben look like, dude? <laughs> I don't know who the fuck he looks like. <laughs> There's he's a hybrid between between us. Yeah. But like so in, in my perspective, I'm getting all this information later in my life. Because they kept all this stuff a secret, like long lost twin brother, adopted, Kate, like, yeah. you know, all this shit. And it made me understand why my dad was the way he was. <laughs> yeah. He had a uh, fucked up life. Yeah. Very. Damn, I'm sorry. That's not good. It's very. Um, I can see where. He he felt a lot of like abandonment, obviously, because as a as a twin, uh, or not only that, like where his brother has a family and all that stuff, and all he ever knew was just my Harbuji harmony. He didn't know any cousins, he didn't any siblings. It was just him. Who did he leave to the states with? Yeah, just my harmony Harbuji. Just so, just his mom. So okay, so his dad was around though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I know I, my Harabaji was scary too. <laughs> oh, okay. One thing about my Harabaji was how I remember that he was scary. He was militaristic. And like, even the way he made my dad cower <laughs> was scary. <laughs> yeah. But he was full of love. Mm. He loved me like a whole lot. And I, I don't understand why, but he did, you know? And, um, that was the first, like, even so. It's the first time I saw my dad cry was my when my Haruji died. Oh, never seen that, you know. But check this out, this context. We're at the funeral, right? And my Haruji and I'm my dad is crying for. I've never seen my dad cry for, ever. Yeah, and I have ADHD, so my leg is shaking like crazy. Right? Mm-hmm. Tell you what, I'm like only five or six years old. Then my my grab. My grab, my dad, bah, slaps me in my leg, fucking hard, squeezes it. And he's like, come on it. Yeah. And I started crying. Yeah. And everyone thought I was crying for my Harabaji, but I was in pain. Because your dad just fucking tiger clawed yeah, your leg. my dad thought I was being disrespectful to my Harabaji yeah. by twitching my leg. <laughs> so when I say my dad's a gangster, like, 
He takes no shit. Yeah. I'm a six-year-old kid and this is what he does, you know? Yeah. So like I grew up under this household where it was like, hey, you, you know, something wrong, I'll fuck you up. Which is why when like the shit that happened to me at my store, people are like, dude, why do you get yourself in that situation? Like, don't you get scared? Like, my dad is scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, there, <laughs> there, were, guys are right. there were a lot of situations like that. So I remember, uh, dude, this is one very interesting moment where uh, when I was in seventh and eighth grade, there was this kid that I, that I, that I uh, he, he held this grudge for a long time. And I've told this a million times here, but it's this kid who I stabbed in mm. like third grade. And then seventh and eighth grade, we went to the same junior high. Well, lo and behold, what, three, four years, he still held that grudge. Uh, he decides to jump me at the the bus stop, right? And I remember I got jumped by him and a couple of his homies. And you have to realize that uh, when you're in seventh and eighth grade and a seventh and eighth grade kid hits you and you just got your ass beat by your parents with like a metal bat yeah. and a lead pipe, yeah. you guys beating, your, beating you with a belt and kicking you to the floor, getting hit by a kid didn't really hurt much. Right. And so I remember this kid socked me in the face and he I got socked and I looked at him and it didn't do anything. And I remember I just, I remember as a 13 year old, I just had this moment of, that didn't hurt, you know? <laughs> and I just chased after him. This fool just ran into the bus stop and ran into the bus so he couldn't get his ass beat. But there's these things where you get your ass beat so hard by your parents, you, you kind of start to wonder, like, what am I scared of? Yeah, this didn't hurt at all. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that's part of that. I don't know if it's a a poverty thing. <laughs> yeah. Poor <laughs> people shit. poor people <laughs> kind of deal with their shit, right? Um. Yeah, like when I said previously when I would get in a fight and I'd lose, you know, my dad would flip his shit. It was, he was so disgusted at me that I would lose a fight. Yeah. Not like, not like, hey, you know, clean me up. None of that shit. No coaching. Just. He, like, <laughs> he goes, well, where do you sit on the bleachers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you like, sit on the top? Who's your best friend? Yeah, he probably thinks I'm on the bottom rung. It was yeah. like that. My dad really, yeah, looked me up and down that way um, a lot of times. And which is why for me back on the on the school ground, I was like, I better do something. <laughs> yeah. You know, or else, you know, and, and that's what where I got fucked up where that's pride. That's proud moment for my dad. You know, he was so proud of me when <laughs> When I go, okay, so like the month before he died, me and my brother at Tiggs, of course, Tiggs. Yeah. <laughs> after uh, my friend Joe's uh, wedding, and we went to Tiggs, and we're out just smoking cigarettes, chilling outside. And there's this, this guy your size. Yeah. Pretty much, but he's a like straight up fob, mm -hmm. you know, and he's drunk. It's his birthday, and he's drunk. So me and my brother, we were just having our conversation. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at my brother, and I see this giant head grab his collar, right? And he's like, yeah, shiba sheki. And I see my brother look at him like, what the fuck? Because he's like, a this? huge guy. Yeah, yeah, he's tall. He's drunk as fuck. Yeah, he's drunk as fuck. And so I jumped on his back. <laughs> I jumped on him, and I put a rear naked. And then I just yanked my ass back, like just yeah. pulled back as hard as I could. And then we all three of us just fell over. And all of a sudden it was like seven fumps versus me and my brother. Yeah. And 
long story it was a scuffle my brother fucked that giant dude up yeah <laughs> like he, he he put him out like yeah he put him out size difference was pretty amazing but regardless of that the next day like we're having lunch with my my parents and i told that story to my parents i was like like because my brother's hands all bloody and scraped yeah up. parents like what's happened and as I'm telling this exact story to my dad, his smile is just oh my so God. huge. I've never seen him so proud of us in our life. But that was the last moment I had with my dad. That's hilarious. But it just really explains like who he was. And what he sees value in. What he in. sees value in, right? Yeah. And which is why I'm I'm not always afraid to get in some shit despite my size. Yeah. Because of the pressure I was under because my dad, meanwhile, while trying to be a suburbanite now, <laughs> yeah, like, was still raising me under some like, like gangpe shit. You dude, know? That's hilarious, dude. It's like, <laughs> hey, dad, remember when I graduated college with a degree? Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Remember that one time you beat the shit out of that giant Korean dude at the bar? It's like, exactly. Oh my god, Appa, please. My parents didn't come to my graduation. That's fucking. <laughs> like they didn't. They didn't. They don't like coming to my recitals for trumpet or yeah. any of my shit, whatever. Um, it, it was like that. And, and there was just like, there are things, especially accomplishments where he doesn't give a shit about. But yeah. if he cares about something that I did that he cares about, then that's just like. Was your dad like, was he very omnipresent in your life growing up or was he at least around a lot? <laughs> he'd be, he'd be mincing. A few chunks at a time. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and like, this is why I love my mom. Because <laughs> I look back and I, yeah. Uh, uh, when you're a kid, you don't realize what your mom's doing. Like, mm. when she's damn near a single mom. For sure. And there's three fucking kids. Yeah. You know? Um, there are times when he'd be gone and my. Mom took care of the rent, took care of the food, still took us to church. What was your dad doing when he was missing? <laughs> Who the fuck knows, <laughs> yeah. bro? Whatever Gang Pesla could do, <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm sure I've looked around where, like, he took tourist pictures and shit. I'd see, like, Times Square. <laughs> like, it's like, wait, Atlanta. I was alive then. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, exactly, yeah. I'd see it, like, 94. Like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, where were we? We were yeah. alive. <laughs> um. Yeah, and... um. Your dad just, just, he wasn't ready to be a parent. He got married when he was 23. I asked him this, actually. Wow. I said, Appa, you know, why'd you get married? Yeah. <laughs> I just asked him straight up, why'd you get married? Yeah. And he said, that's the only way I can get out of the gang. That's the only wow. way they say it's okay to, for me to leave. If I got married, then they let me leave. And he met your mom. And he met my mom. And he didn't leave. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my that. God. Because on the other half of the story, my mom was like, he would be missing at the Tangujang, which is billiards, yeah. you know, or any of that shit. And so he'd be gone all night. And the thing was, he at the time, he bought my mom this Pontiac Firebird with the Phoenix on the hood. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that was her car. <laughs> like, And so she'd throw us in that car, go to K-Town, look around for his car you know and he had a like this seven series and so she'd find the right tangujang and she we were like two or three years old she'd leave me and my brother at the door and bounce 
<gasps> knowing that my dad was there to force him to, to come home. He has to come back. <laughs> oh, your mom is a fucking gangster, dude. That's the thing, too. Like, I forget that my mom got saved at 40 years old. <laughs> she became a Christian at 40. Sometimes I forget that she's a Samanim in this Sajanim business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, sometimes. Like, oh, I'm you like, want to fuck around? Here's your kids. Guess yeah. what? You got to come back home. Damn, your mom's a thug, dude. Yeah. And which is why she's okay being out there still. She's fine with it. Yeah. She can handle it. She calls me sensitive. <laughs> she always calls, you're too sensitive. That's why. So sensitive. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, okay. Well, I mean, you're not wrong, but yeah. geez, I'm <laughs> dude, my, my mom's pretty like rough around the edges too. Like yeah. I remember when uh, <laughs> my very first girlfriend, she dumps me, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like back home from college and I'm, uh, in the room and I'm telling my mom I'm crying right I look at my mom and I go well, she's like why are you crying and I'm like I just got dumped for the first time right and I'm like just don't tell dad right and I'm crying and then she goes she she comes up to me she puts her hand on my shoulder and she starts rubbing my back and she's just like only bitches cry like this <laughs> <laughs> she's like it's like you're embarrassing <laughs> so she's like like basically what she said is like it's like kiji bitch on which is yeah. like little bitches <laughs> little, <laughs> like little bitches yeah. cry like this no it kiji is like bitch like yeah. yeah bitch don't be a bitch, bitch. <laughs> you know she calls you a bitch yeah and then she just gets up and closes the door and when she called me that i just started crying more i'm like ah! she's like calling me a pussy you know i'm like yo this woman is the most oh, insensitive man. person on earth and i literally told her i was like oh don't tell Appa. She goes, oh, don't worry. Five seconds later, my dad comes in. So you got dumped? Yeah. I'm like, you know, she might. I told you, don't tell him anything. And my dad's just like trying to console me. But he's not even consoling me. He's just calling me a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's so same story. My first first girlfriend dumps me. And I don't know what to do, but call my mom. And I'm like, I can't yeah. get your son. Uh-huh. And then she was like, oh, my. and she's talking me through here, here. Talk to Appa. Like, oh, no. Like, wait, what? Who of all the last person on <laughs> earth for a second? I'd rather talk. I could talk to anybody. And I, he just goes, why you cry? <laughs> why? Yeah. Listen, don't be the stupid. Be the happy. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Oh, that okay. I'm better now. <laughs> hey, don't be the stupid, okay? Dude, be that's the so happy. Funny. That's like the probably the moment that your dad was like, "I'm gonna be a good father." Watch he this. tried his best. He tried his best. <laughs> hey, don't be a gay. <laughs> you like a gay? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> you gay, Zeki? That's so fucking funny. Uh, my dad actually called me out for that because I was wearing an Abercrombie shirt. Uh, Abercrombie oh polo. Oh my god! And at the their their sleeve was the first to be super short at the yeah. time. And yeah, he just called me like gay. <laughs> Good morning, gay was boy. Gay? <laughs> it was a gay got to... That's so fucking funny, man. Your dad is such a weird like colorful. So when after you guys left to Seattle, right? Because you guys you guys were in K Town and then you guys left to Seattle. Yeah. Um why did he go back? Why did he go to Seattle in the first place? Well, maybe there's some legal things I probably shouldn't talk about. <laughs> which uh, is why. At first, um, no, but we um, we we lost everything after the LA riots. Oh, yeah. After the riots, we had a kongjang, and we lost everything. 
like just looted down to the bone, you know, and we just lost everything. So we we're starting over, and my mom's older brother, oldest brother, lives in Federal Way, and that's where we lived for like a few months till we found our own place. Yeah, but pretty much, um, that's how I ended up out there, like from LA all of a sudden to the butt fuck but, middle of nowhere, dude. Yeah, and yeah, it. Like my dad, just looking back, the way I had run my store, I think my dad did the same way too. Even uh, I remember I'd be in seventh, eighth grade stocking shit, and then uh, I remember this guy's like, "Yeah, your your dad, he's a good guy." Mm. You know, like um, oh my dad, all right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I I asked my mom, "So what's that about?" And she's like, "Oh, the other day some." <laughs> two guys were beating that guy up and then you know so you know i play baseball my yeah. dad stole my fucking bat <laughs> right and he kept it behind the counter apparently he ran out there and beat the shit out of these guys with my bat you know <laughs> and saved this dude you know and so my dad would go out and do that shit at least for for his friends and for his people when, yeah like he's violent but he's righteous <laughs> That's every Korean person, you know what I mean? Like these, these like weird, violent spurts. You know what yeah. I look back to, and I understand why people think some of these stories are very far fetched. Because when you look at the prototype of, of of a human being that gets into you know fights and brawls and shit, it's not somebody who looks like me. Yeah, you know, like I'm a yeah. very sweet, like jovial looking guy. But you guys have to also realize, like, I wasn't born here. I was my first language was Korean. Mm. I looked the way that I did. People wanted to bully me, but I'm also very, very Korean. Like anger and all this other shit was the first, uh, first I first thing, first way to solve a problem. Yeah, anger and violence. Mm -hmm. So it, it just kind of seeped into my every being, and I think that's why I got bullied a lot was because of the way that I looked, and then it stopped. The bullying stopped so much when I got older because I would fight back so much. Right, because it's a very Korean thing to do. You know, like you can't just do that. You know, like mm -hmm. you would, you would just die on your shield first before you let somebody make you a bitch. Right. And so that's just kind of the mentality that I had. And it's like, it's stuff from an older generation. My dad's a super nice guy. Like my dad would never get into confrontation, but he would always instill this in me though. It's like, make sure that when you're bullied, that they remember never to bully you again. Yeah. Like I, you guys got to realize too, I'm not really telling, telling gangster stories as much as I'm telling Korean behavioral Korean, stories. Exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is like, like that Han. It's that yeah, Han. Han. It's yeah. um, the internalized just like, you can't step over me. Don't you fucking dare step over me. Yeah. Kind of thing. You hate being capitalized. Meanwhile, it's also capitalizing on top of other people for your own protection sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I had to really think about this because a lot of the bad business dealings and a lot of the bad projects that I've gone through was through with Korean people. And I think it's, it's, it's like, what is that? You know what I mean? And I, and I had to sit there and think about it. I was like, why, why do these people all have a very similar trait? And it, it's like, they all have this scarcity mentality kind yeah. of thing. You know, maybe it's a leftover from the Korean war yeah. or, or something like that. But they always had this thing of like, well, if I could fuck somebody over to make me better, I'm going to do it because it's about me. Yeah. And also who knows, we could lose all this. It's like, Hey, um, it's not the Korean war anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're not in school. You don't have to shit in a hole anymore. Um, uh, yeah. You're, you're, you're good. You're good. You know? you know, but yeah, like that, that like, I'm not going to say hoarding. It's almost like it, it could be. Yeah. But then, um, 
Yeah, a, a lot of it is what we were talking about earlier, why it clashes with a Christian culture as well. Yeah. <laughs> when we're all Koreans and we're all so Christians. That's why previously we were talking about like all the yeah. trauma that happens when religion and <laughs> culture clash. Dude, I remember you telling me the story about your dad just like hoarding all this shit <laughs> and saying like, what's like, he like, this is for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? That's that's where I, I, I was so like, perplexed in in his mindset about why he's doing all this kind of thing <laughs> like and it was always some gangster mentality like um i've told this to you uh i my dad went to prison when he was 21 fresh out of high school you know yeah, that's right on some burglary charges and um so he's not like he's not supposed to own a gun <laughs> Mm. but he kept the gun <laughs> of course you know and, and and that's what got him tr in trouble the second time later in his life when i was this is like fucking 20 years ago uh I i'm a junior in high school and i get a phone call and it's the sheriff like who who's been working with the fbi and they were staking out my dad what the fuck because he was having some walter white shit operation going on out there in seattle yeah let's just say out there in the state <laughs> oh wow wow <laughs> what <laughs> and yeah um so that was one of those things like i'm i'm 16 and oh this is when you're older yeah, older. yeah yeah and now i'm seeing this happen my dad's my dad is a gangpe you know straight up like it's not just stories like this it's guy not is. just stories yeah you know and which is why when i said my dad can beat up your dad i'm like i fucking mean it <laughs> <laughs> my dad will literally kill your dad yeah so i'm like so i'm going through my senior year without him uh which is why he didn't come to my graduation yeah you know all this shit which this is a lot of the things that i had to learn especially even when he got out now he has a prison mentality you know mm. now now he's a gangpe prisoner mentality and it's this was like sharpening your guys' toothbrushes and shit <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like I'm not, yeah. you don't need to do this like no 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 just in case yeah and, i mean it, it hurt a lot inside the home dynamic too you especially know, for your mom because your mom's like who is this guy like you know probably the you know i mean obviously he was he's like kind of like devolving, right? Because mm -hmm. it was probably already bad enough as it was. He was a gangpei in the beginning and now he goes to prison. Now he has his prison mentality. It's like, oh, like what is happening? Like I told you how, like I found out about my dad's twin brother. My mom found out after she gave birth to me. Oh my God. Which is four years after their marriage. Yeah. Like she said on the day of my birth, it's my birthday, mm -hmm. right? It was my dad's birthday too. I, got, I was born on my dad's birthday. Oh shit. And he goes... It's also my brother's birthday. <laughs> you know? She's like, huh? She didn't know. And then he's like, I have this twin brother. He's in Korea. I've never Korean, met him. Korean you people know? do not know time and place very well. Yeah. <laughs> you know how I... Time and place. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something about my, my parents, right? I remember this shit. So I have a... It's me and my older brother, right? And uh, <laughs> we're sitting at the dinner table. And we're just having dinner. Having a good time. Just eating, right? And... Uh, out of just nowhere, I shit you fucking not true story. I'm just eating, having dinner, whatever. And then my dad goes, hey, you know what's interesting? 
you were supposed to die when you were born. <laughs> and I, I stop. I look at him like, what do you mean? I was like, well, your mom wanted to abort you, <laughs> you know, but I said no, which is why you're alive. So thank you to me. <laughs> and he just starts laughing. And I'm sitting there. Why would you say that to me, right? And it's like, well, your mom, you know, she aborted like three other kids before you. So you're supposed to have like, like three yeah. other brothers and sisters. And I'm sitting there just, what the fuck is going on? Why did, there's no segue to this conversation. Yo, Why did you say this to me? I don't think Korean Americans understand. Koreans are perfectly okay with abortions. Yeah. <laughs> like go to Korea. Like, yeah. They're perfectly fine with it. Yeah. You know? And I'm sitting here just like shocked. And she's like, yeah, you're supposed to have like two other, but and my dad's laughing. He's cracking <laughs> the fuck up. And I'm sitting here just mortified. Like you're going to abort me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why would you say this? <laughs> you know? My dad's dying laughing. And my, I look at my mom. I'm like, oh, my, is that true? She goes, yeah, but you know, your dad, he wanted to have another kid. What <laughs> like, the fuck are you saying right now? You fucking jackasses. Man. I, I think like, one of the other things, like when when I went to Korea to see my oh, by the way, uh, my dad didn't meet him until they were fifty years old, way later in the wow. life. Wow, yeah. You know your dad too. I could. It's funny because I could. I saw a, a a shell of the human being your father is when he was at fifty two, which he his dad looked like he was in his eighties. Yeah. But I saw the older picture of your dad. Your dad had a thick ass fucking neck, dude. Yeah. This motherfucker was yoked. He was. Your dad was yoked, yoked dude. Like, you know, <laughs> holy shit! It was literally cheek then neck. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, and even like uh, genetically, yeah. this what is this called? Trap. Your trap. Yeah, just I don't work this shit out, and yeah. it's big because of my dad. Yeah, <laughs> my sister has it too. <laughs> She's like, I hate this. <laughs> but yeah, he was a big guy, and he just and on like I said, on top of that, he was always older than everyone else because yeah. he came to America very early. Yeah, and and so he was a chip on the shoulder kind of guy, but also like didn't have a whole lot of faith on me at all either you know yeah um, well he he had an idea of what a man was which yeah. was a very trashy idea of what a man and a human being was and you weren't living up to that expectation but at the same time this is the weird dichotomy of the han what you were saying earlier because i was so stupid i couldn't make it out in you know in seattle go to university or whatever yeah so he started teaching me to run the store because I should stay here and run the store. Yeah. Like him. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking. But meanwhile, calling me a pyongshin yeah. and an idiot and stupid. But this. Pyongshin, by the way, means yeah. Re retard. Yeah. Straight <laughs> Which was my mom's favorite word for yeah. me. You pyongshin got tenseki. I mean, you went that translates to you, you retarded bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that, that's what my mom would, would call me growing up. Yeah. yeah. And so. so uh <laughs> The yeah. idea that a parent could call their kid a retarded yeah. bitch is so, it's so normal, though, right? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, my mom called me that too. Yeah. <laughs> like the Korean language. If you ever wanted to learn how to curse or get mad in a language, Korean language Korean is, is the best. one to do it. My mom used to say this phrase to me, like when we get, she'd be upset at me and my brother. She would always say this phrase, and it stuck with me. She goes, "You don't get dong begari katte shibalemdri." You know what that means? Is like she literally called me a dog's dingleberry. <laughs> The shit that hangs, hangs off from the a, fur. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You fucking dog dingleberry fuck is yeah. what she would call it. <laughs> she would get so mad. Just Korean is the, the, the best cursing language. Yeah. But yeah, uh, like back to it. Uh, well, my, my dad, it always felt like he was disparaging me. His end game and end goal was to make me successful. 
in the worst way possible. Right. Which is why when like this garage is just full of all these tools and junk and, and shit and whatever. It's just like questioning, like, what is all this shit for? It's like, this is for you. <laughs> Don't you know, I'm gonna, this is like a handing this down, like, thanks, Mufasa. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's but, like but, the pride land. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of garbage. Yeah, really. But it was like all he had. Yeah. It's all he got. He's left. And I'm looking back at it like this. He, his home was Korea. Like his favorite movie was Chingu. Watch that shit every year. I love that you know, fucking Because movie. for him, it was like high school that he didn't get to have. Yeah, he had it in fucking America, but he played by those rules in America anyway. <laughs> it's, you know? it's, when I when I used to when I watched uh, Chingu, right? Uh, I remember I thought it was like the dopest movie ever, and I was like, "What if life was really like that?" And I remember my mom told me she goes, "That's how it was in that's Korea." How it is, yeah. she, she, I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "That's not made up. That's how it was in Korea. Yeah. Like you had the older youngs, and they would run shit like a fucking gang, and you would have the younger people running around doing your bidding, and there was gangpes inside yeah. the school, and they would take that shit outside." You know, some people, some people ended up not doing it when they were older, but it just continued on. And even when they stopped doing it, you still see that type of relationship and behavior of the young and the young right. type of stuff. Even after they grew up and they stopped doing that shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Dude, I, so when I went to Korea to see my, my uncle and you know, in Korea, like you grow up with the people you grew up. Yeah. Like from elementary school class, all the way up. Yeah. All the way up. You're in the same classroom. Right. So I'm visiting my uncle. We're having dinner and he brings his friends and um, I see them. They're holding hands. They're in their 50s, you know, and they're, they're holding hands by their pinkies <laughs> and swinging their arms. That friendship shit is real. It's deep out there. Yeah. Bro. You know, but even though they here, fuck shit up when they're you're wearing up. a fucking polo and he calls you a faggot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like, it's like, Hoppa, you're holding pinkies with that yeah. guy. This is not gay. Yeah, it's like, what is it, gay? You call me gay? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Your dad is so, it, it, they're so weird. It's hard to figure figure them out. Their, their, their life and their relationships with people were so complicated. It's hard to understand from our perspective. Which is, you know, like I've always wanted to tell my dad's story. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, it, there there's a story in there where you and I still relate too, yeah. To my, our fathers, even though we're way past a generation and tons of technology and all these things, so like we can't help but feel the way we feel, and it reminds of us of how our dads react to, yeah. You know, and it's just every time I do something and I think about the time I was pissed at him when I was a kid for it, I'm like, all right, like you, like you <laughs> like, understand. It. That's why when we mentioned too about like asking your parents to understand you when you don't even know their story it doesn't make any sense because nobody does things just because is what i'm finding out there's a reason for it there's a reason yeah. why people do the things that they do and they behave the way that they behave like i understand why my dad was so particular about family stuff right and my mom told me to pity my father because she was like you should feel bad for your dad and i was like what do you mean <clears throat> she goes the hardest thing about your dad is the fact that your dad didn't get to grow up with a solid family Right, he was kicked out in the street by his own sister and his own family. Your dad, your your grandfather, his father went bankrupt, and he had to fend for himself. He had to live in a hotel, motel room, um, because his best friend's uh, parents owned a motel in Korea, and they allowed him to live in the room. 
Yeah. So this is how he survived. So all he wanted was a really tight knit family. But your dad is so socially fucking awkward. He doesn't know how to communicate with you mm. guys. So everything that he wants to do, he's destroying. He wants to be close to you. He wants uh, this this single unit family where we live in the same house together. But he's so awkward. He doesn't know how to talk to you, yeah. converse with you that he pushes you away. Yeah. So imagine how sad that is for your father. Everything that he's doing is to live this dream of a tight-knit family, but his behaviors say otherwise. Right. So it's destroying his personal dreams. She goes, you have to understand how sad your father... I feel bad for your dad. Like, I feel terrible for him mm. because he wants to have this relationship, but he doesn't know how. So, you know, I empathize with my father a bit. Like, he, he grew up uh, not knowing that hardcore family love that he wanted to give to us, but because he didn't have that in his life, he doesn't know how to express it. So it caused friction between me and him, you know? story of my dad's life yeah. not knowing exactly how to express himself without fucking shit up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like destroying everything that they're trying to create yeah. you know and it sucks yeah because all they know is, is a whole lot of self-destruction yeah you know um and i i see my dad in that and i my mom had that talk with me too you should pity yeah him like under what he's growing up in you know and i understood that uh at, at least at a younger age that i can't hate my dad i cannot hate my dad when i was like 15 it was like my mantra i don't know why <clears throat> it could have been the christian aspect of it yeah but i constantly tell myself don't hate appa don't hate appa don't hate appa you know and i'd even have to sometimes tell sora don't hate appa don't hate appa and i don't even exactly know why but i think it was just a christian thing but in the end it gave me a lot of peace when he passed because yeah i didn't hold the resentment against him for being <clears throat> like who he was who he, he was did. yeah because he is he just is i can't say he's a bad father or a good father he just is he was my father and that alone is enough for me to say i love him yeah i think that was like one of the things that maybe i didn't i think that your brother and your sister never came to terms with, right? Was that they saw your father, the exterior of your father, right? They yeah. saw all of his his actions and they judge him for that. And I think the difference between you, because it's also a coping mechanism for you, is to understand he is who he is and he tried his best. So how can I knock him for trying his best? And we have to also look as, as, as we're adults now too. If I had the same situation, would I have ever turned out better? Mm. And I guarantee I wouldn't have. A hundred percent, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah. You know, I think that's the hard part too is like, as as kids we we kind of want certain things from our parents right and when we don't get it uh especially in your case when your father passed um you're, you're trying to not have hate in your heart you know yeah you want to because how does it help you cope how does that help you deal with the fact that your father passed and not having this relationship that you thought you wanted yeah you know and i think that's the that's the difficult part of of being an adult yeah and uh accepting that reality right because it's easy to hate somebody it's that's the easy yeah, route. so easy it's it's the very quick quick way to deal with it fuck you out of my life i don't want to think about it um but i think it's easier said than done when it comes to a family member like your dad you know and, and it was because of my faith at the time where you know my dad like i said gang pet growing up guess what he got saved when he was like 45 that's crazy <laughs> you know yeah because uh he just got out of prison all this shit and you know we put him through church and whatever you know and he, he got saved 
And they beat up the pastors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, my dad has written the Bible five times over. Wow. Like he's reading it and he would write it. He really, really, like I can see it's a religious aspect of it, you know, like, but he was really trying to atone for the past 50 years of his life. Yeah. He was really trying to make things work. And for me, I wanted to let him know, like, he, that he is loved. He definitely didn't feel, I can tell he didn't. It's probably because he felt he fu he fucked up so much. Yeah. And you know. so we'd have phone calls and whatever. He's like, yeah, go to the, the Costco and pick this up. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I love you, Appa. And I could hear him go, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> get choked up. Because I, I never, we never, I, I, I don't know why. I just thought I'd just tell him I love him. Yeah. And the last time I saw him too, same thing. After we got that big brawl at Tiggs, I, I, you know, went to go eat Sundubu. And I was going to leave. I was going to head back here to LA. I gave him this hug and he was a fucking skeleton yeah it was like yeah i told i love you same thing and he goes yeah oh, so <laughs> like he doesn't know how to, he's like is it yeah. gay are you gay <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's a gay <laughs> he starts crying he goes yeah. uh, he's a, the other day he's a gay but i had my i got my peace at least yeah do you think that your other siblings got that too over time, yes. Yeah. It was just a little harder for them. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it was because, like, I didn't go to university. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You probably spent I was more stuck time at home. Them, right? Yeah. You know, after my dad went to prison my junior year, my mom sat me down and says, don't sign up for college. Yeah. Don't apply. You're staying at the store. Jesus. That's what I did. Yeah. You know, while, you know, especially if you're an Asian American growing up and all your friends are getting into the UW, UW was like the pit, like yeah. outside of the Ivy Leagues, everyone went to UW. And my mom was like, don't even apply. You know, you got to run the store. And, and yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's all good. <laughs> my, um, my parents didn't think much about me, but I was stuck. I, the thing was, I was stuck at the store and I was around him all the time. Yeah. And he was really mean. Yeah. After prison. He was really cruel. Well, it was what he learned in prison. Yeah. And he said, he said a lot more hurtful things than ever before. He got way more like aggressive and... aggressive and wild <laughs> i remember once just he had a mouth full of pop in his mouth just screaming at me and pop is flying everywhere that's how much he didn't give a shit you know but i don't know i was letting him know i loved him i mean you th I, I, I think that's like the missing piece that maybe your other siblings didn't have is that you actually got to spend time with him you know and you got to see him at his worst but I can only imagine what your dad was going through, you know, probably like emotional turmoil. Like oh, he, yeah. he, you know, obviously he went to jail for the whole Walter White situation, like that, that whole meth situation. Right. He, and, and he wouldn't even tell me like exactly what, what he exactly he was doing. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, I don't, I don't personally know him, but I feel like at that point you're at that age, your dad is doing stuff 
to make ends meet, you know, to make yeah. sure that he could provide this specific life for his kids. Because a lot of Asian parents too, they, one thing that I know that is a, a constant in a lot of these like immigrant Asian stories is that a way that Asian parents showed love was by showing how much they could provide. Right. Yeah. And imagine the the type of stuff your father was going through, knowing that he was doing his best and he was probably making good That's money doing exactly this stuff. It. And then he goes to jail, loses everything, comes back, and he's back at square one. And he's dealing with his own personal demons at this point. Yeah. So he's not even yelling at you, he's yelling at himself because he hates himself. You know? Yeah. And I could tell that. I can tell he was really ashamed of what he had done. Yeah. Especially as we're older and we all saw him get mm -hmm. sentenced. So and in the end, too, my dad, still ever the kangpe, you know, he tried to be like mature and sit us down. He's like, do you know, you know, like if you have any questions, you can ask me, you know, a tell me, ask me why, you know. So I asked him, okay, why did you do it? Yeah. And he looked at me and he's like, because I wanted to buy you a car. <laughs> wow. You kangpe. <laughs> yeah, you mother of this. <laughs> you know and the funny thing is is like he's trying to provide you things the stuff that you didn't need didn't you know need. it's like and that's <laughs> i didn't need that i as need a, you to be my dad yeah as a freshman or no i was probably a sophomore in college i was driving around in a 750 il v12 wow and he put 20s on it oh, i didn't ask for any of that shit it's like edward you want to be a rapper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want to be a, you know, it's a ride on, it's a 20? No, my rapper. dad drove the same car in the 80s. That's, <laughs> That's hilarious. So he dude. got the same 1989 car that he used to have for 8,000 bucks. That's the crazy thing to too. It. It's like, I, I appreciate that about your dad though, that it's so funny that his self-destructive behavior was out of selflessness, mm. which is insane. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, when we when we have these conversations about empathy and understanding other people, it really does help you put these puzzle pieces together, right? Because when yeah. you don't understand what's going on, it's very easy to get into anger. But when you have an understanding of the whole picture and you start piecing these stuff up, you, you can see the whole picture and it helps you understand what's going on. Yeah. It helps subside that anger a little bit. Because yeah. one could say, hey, well, fuck your dad. You know what I mean? He didn't give a fuck about you or you or your mom and the kids. He just wanted to do his shit and make money. But that wasn't the motive. If you never had that conversation with your dad, if your dad never said, hey, ask me what a, yeah. what this was for. And he goes, I wanted to buy you a car. And you're like, what the fuck? And look at him. <laughs> so matter of fact about it. Yeah. Straight up. And he told the truth like it. You know, he just he wasn't a liar. Truth. Yeah. Yeah. And he said it like it was. So, and that's why at this point, like, imagine if he just lied to me and I'm sitting here wondering why he did all this yeah. shit in my life and based off what he told me. Because I had a few of those moments with my dad where I remember he brought up, like, um, he, he basically told me, he was kind of upset that I didn't do well in school. It's like some stuff that he had resentment yeah. towards me, right? He goes, I gave you everything to be really smart in school, then education and everything else. He goes, do you remember when high school and I told you that if you just got straight A's, I'd buy you a BMW? And I remember I looked at him, <laughs> right? This was like five, six years back. I looked at him, I was like, who the fuck said I wanted a BMW? Yeah. <laughs> you never even asked me what I wanted. I didn't want any of that stuff, yeah. right? He goes, you could have had a nice car. That's all he was thinking. It's like, young kids want nice cars, so I'm going to do this for my kid. But he never had a conversation and asked me what I wanted. Yeah. And he was like, and I told him, I was like, you know what I wanted from you? I just wanted you to support me. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about all this other stuff. When when teachers were telling me I wasn't, 
either smart enough. They, they were telling me that uh, I was problematic. I wanted you to be on my side, but you never did that for me. You just kept on saying, oh, I'll buy you a car. I'll do fuck all that shit. I wanted you to support me. I wanted you to tell me that I could do stuff outside of the store, but you never did that for me. You kept on providing something that I didn't need. Yeah. You know, and it was it was almost like he was a robot. He was like short circuiting. He goes, I did the best I could. I did the best I could, which was only his thing he could say. Yeah. I did the best. I did the best. But it's hard because I think as an adult, and it would be hard for me too as a parent for my kid to tell me I fucked up. Like, oh shit. And I can't take this stuff like, back. Look, you don't understand. In 1989. You know, so... I'm glad I had these moments. And I, you know, even now too, I know uh, specific Korean people who haven't had these conversations with their parents and their relationship with their parents is very sad to, for me to watch yeah. because they don't understand who their parents are because they're still angry at them like they're that five-year-old kid. They're not coming at it from, from an adult's perspective. And so when I see them still fight with their 50, 60-year-old parents about bullshit and I'm like, you, you don't, yeah. you still don't get it. You they're know? not going to change. Yeah. They're not going to change. It's been 60 years. The only thing that you can do now is talk to them and try to understand where they're coming from because you're just going to lose your fucking mind. There's yeah. no point. They don't have a willingness to change because they don't have a problem with how they live. They did right. 60 years of it. Why the fuck would they change now in the last 20, 30 years of their life? Right. You know, it's hard. Which is why to this day, I have to keep telling my mom I'm doing Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> Watch, she sees you know. this. You know, she, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but yeah, like even just looking back just about how they tried, they fucking tried. Not to say my dad was a total piece of shit. He quit drinking for a long time, you know. And that's about it. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. No, 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 for real. But <laughs> no, we, we, we were fucking in abject poverty after the riots, though. Yeah. Like I, I skipped ahead and I said we moved to Washington, but we were actually in Flint, Michigan for two years. Yeesh. Yeah. And they bought a... A two-story, three-bedroom house for $10,000 because nobody wanted to live in that neighborhood. You can still do it now. <laughs> yeah. And the people still don't want to live in Flint. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I lived there, and it's where I got this scar. My brother has his scar here on his lip. And, yeah. you know, the, the reason why we moved out of there because it, it, was, it was rough yeah. and shit. But, yeah, like, we lived in such poverty that they shut the water off and, and the power. And there was a good while where for a month we we all had to piss outside and really hold our poop until we got to school to <laughs> to That's poop at fucking public nuts, dude. That's crazy. Because the toilets didn't work. Yeah. And so our, my dad's friends would come and donate big jugs of water to us so we can flush the toilets as long as you can dump it in the dump tank. it'll go down. Yeah. Guess how we took how guess how we took showers, man. Yeah. But I remember too, like when, um, like our, we couldn't like fix our water heater and shit. And mm -hmm. then my mom would have to like boil water and yeah. then like stick it in the tub exactly. and just to heat it up. Yeah. And those things were so normal to us because we didn't know any better. Right. I, like I can't even share some of these stories with other people. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like to them, they're like, wow, you lived in some shit. But when I was a kid, if you don't know anything else, it's just life. It's like, oh, this is life. This is like 91, 90, no, 93. Yeah. You know, 30 cent tacos, Taco Bell. Yeah. I, sometimes I always wonder why I'm so short. <laughs> and I think it was maybe- Nutrition-based. Nutri yeah, yeah. nutrition-based, honestly. Even my brother was telling me, I think it's nutrition-based. Can your mom cook? 
No. See, that's probably a problem too. No. Because my mom could cook. <laughs> you know, my mom could make, make nothing into something, you know? Yeah. So it's like, uh, one thing that I know I that for my life anyways growing up is that we always had good food. Mm. I mean, it wasn't like new food every day, but you know, my mom would make a big batch of soup or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then this was the food that she would eat. So it was a, it, like, you know, can you get for one week? <laughs> was, uh, I had the Taco Bell McDonald's experience because it's so cheap, those hamburgers. And I tacos. wanted that shit though. Because <laughs> yeah. they would never buy it for me. Because they're like, you have cheapest of can do the way. We're you know? But that's the hilarious thing about why I look at poverty today and like why people who are in poverty are obese. Cheap. Because it's actually cheaper to yeah. eat that shit. Cheap food, <laughs> cheap food is the worst for you. Yeah. You know? Like, best example. I hated beef growing up my whole life. I hated <laughs> really? eating beef. I didn't like the taste of it. I didn't like any of that shit. Well, until I had like a medium or steak. Right. I'm like, oh, this is, this is different. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? I don't have to eat this shit. eating well, well done. done beef. Yeah. You know, a lot of Asian people eat well done beef. And so I remember, um, and I hated McDonald's too. I hated eating McDonald's. Hmm. But then when you're in college, you're broke as shit. You don't have a lot of money, right? And then you would have these 25 cents cheeseburgers and shit like this, 20 cents, 30 cents cheeseburgers. And that's when I started liking McDonald's. I'm but like, that's a, because it's all you've had. That's all I had. You know, it's all you have. And then you just get addicted to it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I gained 40 fucking pounds, yeah, you know, man. and I became addicted to this food. But uh, that's why when, uh, when I see people, they're like, oh, why don't they just buy healthier options? Like, you know how fucking expensive organic food is, you bitch? Yeah. It's hella expensive. There's a reason why people buy canned foods and frozen foods is because it's easier to deal with. It doesn't spoil and you can feed a lot more kids that way. And I could see it. So like I'm I'm 34 now. My dad was 34. He had all three kids. Yeah. They were in Flint, Michigan. That's and crazy. I could, and I got to imagine just like that would suck. That would fucking suck. But they did it, man. Somehow can survive it. Somehow. I don't know how. Yeah. And up to the point where we got to lower middle class, you know? And that's why I, I still don't try to take anything away from my dad, but I also know he probably didn't feel like it was enough for him either. You yeah. know? Because yeah. of what he quote unquote used to have. Of course. KK and all that shit. He hundred percent sounds like somebody who was comparing his old self to his new self. You know, you see him he probably sees himself getting physically weaker. Uh yeah. Yeah. So while I'm getting bigger in high school, uh, we're fucking around. He wants arm wrestle and I beat him. After that, he made me do so much fucking physical labor. Like, <laughs> just made me carry heavy shit all the time. And sometimes it'd be for no reason. And then at one point, and like, I was just like, is he jealous? And even my mom pointed out, like, even with my camera gear, he gets jealous. So I was like, this gangpe. <laughs> this fucking gangster it's motherfucker. Like, yeah. Can't move past this shit. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the dynamic I was growing under. So it's like support for anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think he really gave a shit if I had A's at all. Yeah. At all. You it's know? like, oh, you think you're smarter than me now? Because he didn't finish high school. Yeah. You know? That's so funny. It's like he wants you to do better, but he hates you too yeah. at the same time. So you got an A? That's good. Go die. <laughs> like, oh, think you're better than Appa? It was right at one point in high school, they, my parents didn't even look at my grades anymore. Where I was like, Man, am I parents, getting away with this? Dude, you're so lucky. My parents would look at my grades knowing the, knowing the terrible outcome. It's they like, you know what's going to, you know. looking at my brothers and sisters. Oh, really? They gave up on me. That's hilarious. <laughs> I wish my parents would have gave up on me, dude. Because my par- my dad was like, "Where's your report card?" I'm like, "Apa, we know what's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's on this report card. You know it's not a good." That's thing. That's what I mean. So they were just like grooming me to just take over the store, 
It's just my dad's like, someday this is yours. <laughs> this <laughs> what is all you. This dude, that's so crazy, dude. Store. But it was all. But look, think about everything he lost and everything he built. I mean, to me, it doesn't mean shit. But it is from where he, he came, had, you know, Flint, Michigan, and going through the riots and having this and being able to like support a family. It's pretty good. That's all he had, yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I don't take anything away from my dad because he worked his ass off, and I see myself when I feel lazy. Um, or depressed or whatever. Like my dad had those days too. But what I mostly know him for is working fucking 16 plus hours a day. Yeah. Every fucking day. That's the thing too when I look at it and I'm like, there's a reason why like I worked so hard in the beginning, you know, and I'm still working. Well, I'm not working as hard as I used to. Let's just be real. I got tapped out a lot. Uh, But I don't, I appreciate what my parents did, but I also don't want to live the life that they did. Yes. Working till I'm like 60 or 70 years old. Right. You know, um, but I also had this conversation recently too, where I'm actually very glad I, I grew up really poor because it, it gave, it gives me a different perspective and lens on life. And it allows me to thirst for more because there was so much I didn't have, right. you know? So these experiences that I got to experience as an adult, isn't stuff that I got to experience when I was a kid. Because we didn't have the means for it. But that's why I appreciate travel so much. So I appreciate these things. And so sometimes I see a lot with these kids who were, who were born in wealth. They're the most boring fuckers I've ever met in my oh life. My they need so much stimulus because they had everything. Everything was handed to them on a fucking silver spoon. Yeah. So the way they view life and how they need to get stimulus is it has to be through extravagant shit. Which is not stuff that I really need. The, you right. know? Yeah. I, I think one of the... I think the... There's a lot of downsides about growing up poor for me, yeah. for sure. But um, I definitely see it in a lot of the, you know, once again, going back to the suburban church group when you're seeing around and um, where they're trying to relate with me mm-hmm. about the, uh, like the stuff that's happening to me at the store where all the racist shit that I talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. And one guy's like, dude, someone at work said, you eat kimchi. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? And Shut like, the fuck up. That's it? <laughs> you do eat kimchi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Isn't that a fact? Yeah. And, and so I, I'm thankful for like, at least I'm a bit more aware where of, where I can focus my attention and my feelings. Yeah. You know, through seeing the worst and it, n- experiencing maximum pain, you know, early on or so many times you know it does give you thick skin but not the kind of thick skin where you're just like unable to empathize yeah but just really be like hey man like it's not that bad you'll be okay you know especially with younger kids today like saying you eat kimchi is pretty racist to them yeah like they're they're i don't want to call them soft it's just a different generation from what we had to grow up with right so you know with them it's just that's why I always get very particular about people who always want to call everything racist, yeah. you know? And sometimes when you do that, it's going to sound like you're just being a little bitch and people aren't going to care about real problems and real issues. Yeah. So if it's like, well, fuck it. If I, if you're, if anything that I say makes you mad, then I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I want. And it gets to that point for a lot of people. Yeah. Like when, um, uh, like I, I see a lot of these, what's it called? TikTok, TikTok videos talking about their form of racism. And it's like, 
that's not even that person being racist. They just don't know any better. They're just yeah. curious, you know. They're like, oh, I went to the store and this person was like, hey, like, uh, uh where'd you get that clothes? Like, I want, I, I want to know where it's from because, like, it's you know, it looks very, you know, culturally oh, like yeah. you. You can't wear it. <laughs> yeah, like, and they're like, I, why did they have to ask about my culture clothes? My culture is not a prop. It's like he's just asking where you got your clothes, bro. How is he supposed to know if he doesn't ask? Yeah. You know, it's not like he walked up to you. It's like, hell, whoa, where yeah. you get your clothes from? You know, like it's they're like, that's a underside. That's like slight racism. I was like, that's not even racist because they keep saying, you know what? It's not enough to not know anymore. They should know by this time. Nah, or whatever. That's not how it's it's like, it's not how it works. Yeah, some people just don't know. Like, imagine you're blind. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, check out my shirt. You like it? What are you going to say? You can't see it. Yeah, no, I I don't see it, man. Yeah, yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, why can't you see my shirt? Yeah, like is anger the right response to yeah. someone who can't see, or am I gonna be like, dude, look at the lines here and this design? Yeah, and look at these colors, and you're gonna have to explain it to them. Yeah, and I agree too. Like racism isn't just something that's always just black and white, and there are different shades of it. But but you have to be smart enough to understand when sometimes it's just curiosity and ignorance. You have to have that wherewithal because if not, you're just gonna be angry all the time. Yeah, and you're gonna just you're gonna make these people grow distance from you further and further away and they're just never going to know what to say around you and i don't like that because it doesn't allow for free-flowing conversation like um i talked about this example where i was at a post office waiting in line and somebody asked me i was like hey man what's the best asian food in the area and i, I, was, I found that really hilarious and the funny thing is i knew yeah. <laughs> like i know like you're you're you, you fucking asked the right person like yeah. i know you know but in my mind i'm like like what races that you would ask me but why the fuck would he ask the white dude here yeah you know so i'm like that makes sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like we can't hold them like up to some fucking standard that they have no clue like where even the starting line starts. Yeah. It's insane. Like how could you not like when you when you're watching uh I don't know, let's say uh jujitsu. Yeah. You know, how could this black pelt not know or whatever? Yeah. And it's just like, hey man, he knows, okay? Yeah. <laughs> just they they need they need time to learn this shit because they're at blue belt or something. Yeah, they're not gonna know at this eight degree black belt level shit. Yeah, you know, it's just easy to be angry. But hey, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, this is the new angle, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I actually like this. It shows like more of the room and stuff. But uh, yeah, got the artwork all the way across. Yeah, so it looks great. But uh, you can follow uh, Ed at Ed Park VP on Instagram, and you can catch uh, Genius Brain every Thursday and Sundays. Hope that made you think. Hope that made you empathize and think about your relationship with your parents. And I hope your parents isn't a fucking gong pe- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, love them anyway. Love right? them anyways. Yeah. We'll you see y'all next donate time. Donate your parents. Peace. Peace.